0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic
1: I hope anybody's not stupid enough to write us off. It's Two Stars, the weekly Nottingham Forest podcast from The Athletic. This is the place to be for the very best forest analysis from those who know and love the club. On this episode, we bask in the glow of a midweek win, round up a busy end to the transfer window, pull up a seat with the chair boys, answer your questions and remember Nigel Doughty. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic, this is Two Stars. Greetings, listener. Matt Davis-Adams here to talk you through another week in the life of the two-time European champions. I'm joined by The Athletic's Forest correspondent, Paul Taylor. Hi, Paul. How are we doing? All good, thank you. Uh, also with us, The Athletic's very own Archer of Infamy, Nick Miller. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I assume another wrestling thing, is that?
1: Yeah, yeah. His, his name's Damien Priest. He was in the Royal Rumble this past Sunday. On.
2: Well, no. Damian Damien Priest? That's the name of a wrestler? yeah it's not not one of the best made-up wrestler names is it (laughs) no it just sounds it's kind of sounds like the bloke who runs your corner shop it sounds like a a
1: bad private detective from the 80s yeah yeah this is all pertinent by the way listener uh forest playing wickham on saturday their nickname is the chair boys so i've asked our boys to have uh, forest players as items of household furniture uh, which kind of links to damien priest in in some way um nick what have you come up with (laughs) well I mean, uh, I've got
2: Thomas Lamp. Oh. No? Mm, okay, no, yeah,
3: yeah. But
2: I, 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 did, I was sort of relying on you guys for the kind of um, spurious puns, so I've gone a slightly different direction. I was browsing a list of former Forest players and obviously came across um, Colin Calderwood, and I thought Calderwood sounds like a sort of brand of furniture, had a bit of a Google, and found a, a man called William A. Calderwood who in the late 80s lodged a patent for a line of furniture that would have helium balloons attached to them so that you could, you know, in the normal course of things, you just use the table, have your dinner, whatever, but then when you're not using it, you inflate the helium balloons and it rises up to the ceiling, kind of Mary Poppins style. (laughs) I've had a look at the, 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 the diagrams of the patents and let me tell you, they are quite extraordinary. Unfortunately, as far as I'm aware, the furniture never actually got made.
1: That is the most athletic journalist answer <laughs> <laughs> I have
3: ever heard. Paul, try and follow that. I might have to offer my resignation for going to the opposite extreme here. He, he was <laughs> right Nick, about Nick were you just, just trying to make Paul look bad? Is that is that what's happened here? He, you, nobody you has to work deep. hard to do that. I feel embarrassed now. I've gone for Tobias Frigerado. Oh yes. <laughs> oh, now you redeem good. yourself there. That's that's yeah. superb. You could have uh, samba sofa. Or indeed, mm. or indeed Loic Emby sofa.
1: Yeah, oh, that's, that's better. better.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they get worse, trust me. They were the better ones. Uh, Craig Armchair? Mm, no, not good. I'm, I'm actually <laughs> cringing as I say this. And for the Ikea people, this is very, very niche. Very niche indeed. Mm. For those that have suffered the misery of Ikea, I was going to say you could have Billy Davis. He would oh, make a very, yeah. a very short oh, yeah. bookcase. Yeah, no. yeah. yeah. yeah no, I'm, I'm, def-
2: I'm having that. Yeah, definitely having that.
3: And if you wanted somewhere to put your beverage, you could perhaps put it on a, a Cafu table.
1: <laughs> Forrest earned a very welcome three points away to Coventry on Tuesday night a Lewis and Lewis Graben striking a quite delicious own goal from Michael Rose, seeing the Reds come from behind to win a game for the first time in more than a year. Um, Nick, before we get to the match specifically, that's pretty significant, isn't it? I was astounded when I saw the stat.
2: Assumed it wouldn't have happened this season, but for over a year is is quite incredible. I think I um, briefly referenced it in the podcast last week, but it's been a year since that Leeds game. And I I think if you could have told me that anything, or anything bad certainly has happened to Forrest over the last year, given the, um, you know, tidal wave of nonsense that we've uh, had both in for inside the forest universe and in the broader universe. I'd definitely have believed you.
1: Paul, we had um, Paul Cook the former Wigan and Moore manager on the Totally Football League show on Monday. And he said before we went on air, oh, Coventry will definitely win that game because the pitch is a massive advantage to them because it's so dreadful. How, how bad was it?
3: Do you know what? It didn't strike me as being terrible. It was, it was, it was bad because of the weather. There was a spell in the, in the first half where the rain really came down and you, you're a bit fearful about whether uh, the game would get called off or not because it, it was starting to become a little bit pond-like. But... It never struck me as being one of the worst pitches I've seen this season. There has been some pretty bad ones and I tell you what, I've got to mention this. There's one brilliant moment in the second half where Joe Warrell did the best sliding tackle exactly I've seen since like about nineteen eighty seven, <laughs> and it left the perfect It was about 15 metres long. It was like he'd taken a plough to the pitch. It was brilliant. It was just a a joyous thing made even more joyous by this perfectly straight line being left on the pitch. They're the kind of things that amuse me. That's the level I'm at, I think.
1: You mentioned Joe Worrell there, so that's a nice way for me to, to segue onto a tweet that we've had from Simon. He says, Good to see Grab and get on the score sheet, but I'm still confused as to why he's captain. Any insight in terms of what leadership skills he must have behind the scenes from the outside looking in Worrell looks the obvious captain obviously he has been poor when when Graben's not playing but it, I can see the, the sense of the question I, I'd always rather have a centre-half as a as a captain than a striker anyway but, but is there is it just a case of seniority that means that, that Graben keeps the armband?
3: I, I completely agree that yes, in an ideal world I would also have a central defender for, for a captain or a midfielder as a captain I don't think being a striker the, the game's kind of behind you a lot of the time isn't it and I'm not sure that's ideal for somebody who's meant to be a leader but but what i would say is that i think lewis Grabin is quite often probably misunderstood is the right word or even under undervalued i don't think what he does for the team is necessarily always appreciated and i wonder if part of that is is the whole only being able to watch the game on television or over the internet kind of thing rather than being in person because his work rate his energy and the actual overall graph that he does for the team Seems to go underappreciated when you're actually at the ground and you can see the, the runs he makes and the, the shutting down and, and the efforts he makes to go into the channels and just give Forrest an outlet. It, he works so hard, he comes deep to get the ball. I, I, I admittedly, I should have, I should perhaps at some point look up the running stats because I'd be absolutely convinced he'd be right up towards the top of it uh, in terms of the, the distance covered in the game for, for Forrest. But he, he is in the dressing room, he's, a, he's somebody who's regarded as a leader, he's respected. I think the other players appreciate what he's done in his career. He's not particularly vocal. He's not noisy. He's not loud, but he leads by example. He just, he he never stops running. Uh, He's a committed sort of pro every time he goes out on the pitch and he he does score goals. I think, I I don't know why, I get the feeling that he's somebody that might never be properly appreciated by some fans. He scored 20 goals last season. Against Coventry, he scored a really good goal. He cleared the header off the line and you mentioned that on Twitter and the first thing you get back from some fans is, oh, but what about the mistake he made at Stoke? And you're like, well, what can he do? Is that going to hang over him for the rest of the season? Uh, I, I feel a bit bad for him because I don't think he quite gets the, the credit that he deserves for the role he has in the side and, and that you'll be relieved to know is my rant over. Yeah, he <laughs> feels
1: like he might get the credit he deserves when he leaves Forest. and <laughs> people yes. realise what, what's gone. Nick, it's, it's, it's one of those you kind of feel like the I get the Joe Worrell thing. I'm sure he will be Forest captain one day, but it feels like that kind of tub-thumping, chest-beating captain, not quite as prominent in modern football as they used to be. And you do get more of the grabbing types wearing the armband these days.
2: Yeah, um, this is going to sound um, like a, a criticism of, of Worrell, but it isn't. But Worrell's in the sort of John Terry style captain um, in, in as much as, you know, he, 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 is, he does shout and he is demonstrative. And his leadership I mean, his leadership skills are kind of obvious to people who, um, like most of us at the moment, apart from Paul, who are watching on TV or or I follow or whatever. Whereas, I mean, as as Paul has kind of outlined there, Graben's leadership skills are just kind of just as valuable, but they're less obvious. So it's kind of uh, not um, denigrating or criticising Worrell's role in the team in any way, or even the people who want, would prefer Worrell to be captain because it's perfectly understandable that they will come to that conclusion because they you know they can't uh, at the moment certainly they can't see the the um, the sort of the other roles that Grabham plays whereas they can with Worrell and it, it also helps that Worrell's uh, you know uh, as as you know as Paul knows having interviewed him a uh, uh, an excellent kind of no nonsense talker and that they're the kind of things that people naturally associate with a with a captain rather than this sort of relatively quiet lead-by-example uh, captaincy that Graben has.
1: Somebody else we've had a question on is James Garner. Gareth's been in touch, Paul, wanting your impressions of his debut. And I know that, like Juan matter, you're a fan of what you've seen so far.
3: Yeah, it, it is only one game. I, I would say that because you, you don't want to get too carried away. I remember writing a bit about Miguel Guerrero and about how he could be the next great well not great number 10 but the next number 10 for Forrest and do a very good job and we've we've, we've all seen how that works out uh, but in, in the game he played in midweek he did look like it, it struck me that he got some of the qualities that they've been missing since Ben Watson left uh, you know he, he was good at breaking up play his passing range was really impressive he could hit 40-yard balls like, like it was nothing he was just a really Enjoyable player to watch. He, he he had a bit of class about him, you know. He he worked hard. He grafted. He he was good at getting a foot in and intercepting, breaking up play. But every time he got on the ball, you could see what Juan Mata was saying when he said that. He talked about how he always makes good decisions and how he's a kind of classy footballer who does the right thing most of the time. And immediately you could see what he was talking about. He he just looks to have that little bit of intelligence and vision about him. And like I say, I don't want to get too carried away because it is only one game, but. But I, I, I'm quite excited to see what he can offer for the remaining games of the season because he looks like, in very early days, he looks like being a, a- a pretty good signing. Uh, so it wasn't
1: just him really that the focus was on against Coventry we also had Luke Freeman and Jack Colback coming back off the bench from injury and Glenn Murray making his debut difficult to judge Murray I know because he's hardly played any football but but good news certainly on, on Freeman and Colback
3: and they're available going forward presumably. Freeman, let's be honest when he played against Swansea the other day looked, looked unfit which wouldn't be a massive surprise given that he's been out for a while but you hope he kind of gets that match sharpness back. Forrest actually for a while against Coventry were getting pretty tormented down that side of the pitch where he was playing and you felt like he could give a little bit more protection to Gaetan Bong who was who was doing his best. I don't think he played particularly badly. He got flack as ever after the game, but I, I thought he did all right. It was just a case that he was too often getting left exposed by a lack of cover in front of him. Now, I know that isn't necessarily Freeman's natural inclination to chase back and, and get involved in the defensive side of things, but if, if he is going to play a part Uh, for the rest of the season he's going to be an area I think he's going to have to improve on perhaps that's related to his fitness as well hopefully that'll be something that changes as he he gets a few more minutes under his belt with regard to Colbeck he's another one that that seems to have uh, done something to upset the fans I don't think the fans are having him at all but I'd be quite interested to see a partnership of, of Yates and Garner but I'd also be quite interested to see a partnership of of Garner and Colback, because I think both of those two could really work well for Forrest. And that is perhaps what the signing of Garner has given Forrest more than anything, is that that option just in, in midfield where, despite throwing 47 midfielders at it in the summer it, it, it has been a problem area you had Yates and So look like a reasonably good partnership they looked like they were building something and and got a certain understanding going but but that that's about the only one that's that's looked like being a cohesive unit in the centre of the pitch and obviously now they're both injured they need to find an alternative approach and that's probably for me why why Ghana could be one of the the better bits of business they've done in January
1: and Nick just finally on the Coventry game it, it, it's kind of a, a pattern that's that's become clear over the course of the season. Forest taking points off the teams around them. Won both games against Coventry, beat Wickham at home, who obviously they play Saturday. Also beaten Sheffield Wednesday and Millwall. That that's a really good habit to be in, isn't it? Mention Wickham coming on Saturday, but also Rotherham and Derby at the end of this month as well.
2: That's basically what, what is required for the rest of the season. I mean, one of the questions we got on Twitter, and I'm not, it's all you know, Twitter obviously being the place where nuance goes to die. I'm not sure whether this person was joking. Or not, but he there was there was a, a question that said something like, "Can we start thinking talking about the playoffs yet?" Um, you know, <laughs> uh, the, the 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 rest of the season, as we've kind of said before on on, um, on this pod, is just about avoiding relegation. Getting as sort of comfortable uh, as, as possible, then sort of re- reassessing things in in the summer, and hopefully you know uh, we'll have a slightly more normal season next next season. Hughton can implement a bit, a few more of his plans, and um, you know we will take it from there. And yeah, the, the the best way to do that is by taking points off the teams around you. While it would be wonderful to go and you know beat Norwich at some point, or you know Bournemouth or one of the other teams at the top of the table. It would it, be great, and it would obviously help a lot, but it's not the priority. The priority is, as we are doing at the moment, taking points off the teams around us.
1: Yep, for us have the chance to do that this weekend, we'll preview the game against Wickham later. Next, though, we're going to round up the transfer window.
2: Looking
0: for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night.
1: So, since we last spoke, Glenn Murray confirmed until the end of the season. Is that a permanent deal, Paul? As in he's just got a short-term contract, he's not on loan, is he?
3: No, they did it where it's a permanent deal. I think partly because they'd already got five players on on loan and you can only have five in the match day squad. And that, that became six when Garner arrived. So, they they had to do something to tinker with that they didn't want to add a, another loan signing so they they quite sensibly agreed a deal with with Brighton to bring him here permanently and then that was one of the main ideas behind making Cafu a permanent move as well so that uh, they don't have to make the decision over which one of the what would have been six loan signings has to miss out on a match day now they can use all of the players they've they've got without any concerns over that kind of thing so yeah yeah he's he's here on a permanent deal and we asked kind of Chris Hughton after he'd signed, whether they would had any conversations about beyond that, and he quite tellingly said that he doesn't see any signs that that Glen Murray wants to, you know, retire just yet. He wants to carry on for as long as possible. So, I guess the challenge for him between now and the end of the season is to to show enough and to do enough to to prove that he's perhaps worth a, an extension for next season as well. We'll see. Nick Paul mentioned there Cafu
1: on a permanent deal. Paul's been bigging him up, but obviously having seen him at, at close quarters this season, I just feel a bit for him because he's got that kind of Olympiacos stank on him, hasn't he? And that it, it makes you think, why have we made this a permanent transfer from from the club that we are rapidly becoming the B team for? Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, you can sort of look at it both ways, I suppose. You can be sort of cynical about the uh, the sort of jiggery-pokery that comes with signing players from Olympiacos and, you know, shifting players back between clubs and so on which is obviously not ideal but uh, but you can also look at it in the respect that Cafu has I think surprised most of us by being being a a, a solid at worst presence in a couple of different positions Um, I think Hughton mentioned the other day that he is sort of he was kind of impressed that, that that. not not only that he played well in that kind of number ten role, but he he sort of gave it a go. It's obviously a role that's not enormously familiar to him, but he kind of he did the best that he could in 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 that role. And you know he's he's obviously dropped back a little bit in midfield uh, in the kind of in the last couple of games and has done a pretty decent job there too. So you know we're not entirely sure of the financial. Details of this, and um, you know, in, in, just going back, where you are sort of, <laughs> you're justifiably so often cynical about the uh, finances and where the money comes from and where the money's going with transfers as for Forest, as but on a purely playing level, I think he he's you know he's a certainly a, a, a useful addition, permanent addition to the squad. Yeah, hopefully he can do a little bit more than that in the, in the, in the next couple of seasons.
1: Uh, we mentioned James Garner in on loan. Uh, athletic.com slash forestpod the way the place to go to sign up by the way listen if you're not currently a subscriber you can read Paul's piece on Garner. It includes this quote from Matter, I really like training when he, when he trains with us or watching the under-23 games, because you can see he understands the game. He makes the right decisions. He's a proper player and I really like him. That sounds good. Here's a question from Jake. What are the chances of signing Kravinovic on a permanent basis? Does Hewton have more say in transfers than previous regime managers? Would the Greeks stay around if we went down, do you think?
3: Paul, you can have a go at any <laughs> or all of those. There's a lot to go out there, isn't there? <laughs> Kravinovic I think much like Garner I think if 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 he does well in the coming weeks then it's something Forrest will probably look at I think in Kravinovic's case they've probably got more chance of getting him on a permanent deal because he feels like and I mean it's in the nicest possible way he, he feels like one of those players that's perhaps excellent at championship level and perhaps not quite good enough at Premier League level which would be an indication of why West Brom have, have let him go Garner might be a different kettle of fish altogether I think he's very highly rated at, at Manchester United and that doesn't mean that Forrest might not, for example, have the chance of getting him on another season loan next year because he is still relatively young and perhaps too young to get into the Manchester United team for now. So maybe they've got a chance there of getting him on a another loan deal next season if he does well. What was the other question, the third one? <laughs> the
1: other question was, had, well, the, would the Greeks stay around if we went down? I think the answer to that is they'll stay around until there's an offer that they think yeah. would make them want to sell. Um, in terms of the the transfers, maybe hinting that Hewton's got more say than, than previous managers, mm. is it more likely that it's Gary Brazil's got more say and he's actually working in partnership with the manager? I think
3: it's more Houghton to be honest. Uh, uh, I think Gary Brazil obviously has a an influence he, he's I'm aware that he he recommended a couple of signings in January I don't think he necessarily had a hand in any of the arrivals that did come uh, in the end but you know it does feel like Houghton has very much had a say obviously Murray could hardly have been more obvious in the fact that it's a very definite Hewton signing I know Forrest have had an interest in him before but I also know that Hewton really pushed hard to to make it happen this time around he, and I, I also believe that uh, Murray himself has said that he wouldn't have come or gone anywhere else to play other than Forrest. I think he he almost was at a point where he he was ready to, you know, consider his more serious options about not playing any further. If, if, uh, if he he didn't have an option like this one to come to play with a man that he really, really trusted in, in Chris Hewton. So, you know, that's probably a sign of, of how strong their relationship is. And hopefully that would be evident in the performances that Hewton's, able to get out of him on the pitch.
1: Nick, I'm often a bit concerned when I hear about football clubs letting the manager pick the players, but actually in this instance, given what's happened over the last few years, it's probably the most sensible thing to do. Yeah,
2: there's a, a, a significant getting the old Brighton band back together vibe <laughs> yeah. with, um, you know, obviously knock and bong already there. Uh, and, you know, if this was uh, 2014, then we'd have a, 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 um, a, a you know, championship winning uh, squad on our hands probably. The, the kind of relationships between players and uh, sort of so, so individual players and manager is a kind of I don't know relatively old school notion uh, these days but it, it, that doesn't sort of make it any less valuable. And you know it, we I, I for the for the podcast last week which um uh, in retrospect, it's probably a good idea we didn't get to. I had a long kind of list of reasons why Glenn Murray would be an awful signing, but <laughs> you know he he might he he obviously um, you know Watford took one look at him and left him on the bench for uh, for most of his, the the time that he was there. It could well be one of those situations where Glenn Murray will be an awful signing for twenty three of the clubs in the championship, but he might be an excellent signing for the one club that's managed by Chris Hutton. So, you know, who knows? These things are all intangibles and it it, it could very well not work out. But, you know, if if anyone was going to get the best out of him, it is Uton. In terms of outgoings,
1: goodbye Miguel Guerrero, we hardly knew ye. Uh, Forrest announced his move to Rayo Vallecano on the club website in a 39-word statement. He leaves having played 11 games, only five of which were starts, none of which lasted 90 minutes. What was the point in that then, Paul? Are they just... Is it kind of what we talked about with Ioane, where we've got to look at the the individual a little bit more
3: or, or was it just he wasn't good enough to, to be honest I, I i don't know there was some suggestion that he himself was eager to get a little bit more first team football because after that bright start he, he really hadn't featured very much he had the odd appearance off the bench he there were times when he wasn't even on the bench but you know he he became quite quickly more of a peripheral figure and i think once Kravinovich came in uh, and once Kafu had kind of shown that he could play in that number 10 role as well, he, he kind of became surplus to requirements and you couldn't really see his position in terms of, you know, his standing in the squad changing very quickly. He found himself down the pecking order. The chances of him playing regularly were almost zero. Uh, and And, you know, for his benefit, he probably had to move on to to get regular football again. It was one of those moves that probably made sense for everybody, for the club, uh, for the player, and and for you know the, the club he's going to as well. Has he been a success at Forest? No, the, there's no question that, that he hasn't been. He, he did show flashes of his ability. A couple of games where he looked really, really good, and the other players, when you spoke to them about Guerrero, said that he was a real class act on the training ground, that he, he, he could see situations that, others perhaps didn't, that he was quite an intelligent player. But for whatever reason, it, it hasn't worked out at Forrest and it, it, it probably was best that he he moved on. Uh, I guess there's a broader question about whether he was a victim of the kind of over-the-top transfer policy back in the summer. And the truth is, he he, he probably was. Forrest signed too many players and there was always going to be... Uh, a little bit of excess that needed to be trimmed off at some point, and he he was one of those players. Uh, we look forward to welcoming welcoming him to a game of Did they really play for Forest in the <laughs> near future?
1: Uh, Will Swan on loan Port Vale? That makes sense. This is this was a strange one. Paul Harry Arter ended up staying, but there was a lot of chatter over the weekend about him him moving away, having only just arrived. What was the story with that one?
3: It just it hasn't really worked out for him so far, has it? I thought when he signed that he was going to be a really good acquisition that he was a really sensible signing you know he's he's a player that's got a lot of experience he's a player that's won promotion from this division as recently as last season it just made sense he, he every time I've seen him play against Forest and otherwise he's looked like quite a, a decent operator I wouldn't write him off completely at this point there's no doubt in the fact that I think other clubs were made aware that were the right deal to be put on the table he would be made available there was some interest from Bristol City but I, I, it obviously, didn't get done. I wouldn't be surprised if that was because of the numbers involved, because he's one of the higher earners at the club. But yeah, it, it, it was all a bit strange. I, again, it, it, it feels like a, a quick decision has been made over, over a player that that does have you know a good track record and a, a good CV at this level. So it, it is all a bit of an odd one. But it'll be interesting to see if he does end up having a, a part to play between now and the end of the season. But when you look at players like Yates, Sow, Garner, you know they, they've they've got. Colbach as well, they've got quite a few players ahead of him in the pecking order now, so he might not find regular football at Forest either, and it'll be interesting to see what happens in the summer as well. A story that feels like it's got another chapter or two to come yet. Yeah, his contract runs till 2023.
2: Nick? Yeah, it is sort of, it's just an, another extension of all the, the sort of short-term thinking, really, isn't it? I mean, it's the, 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 the concern is that not only have Forest kind of splurged on all these players, but they're then giving up on them after only a very short period of time. M- maybe there are kind of individual circumstances behind Ionu, Guer- Guerrero and Arta. but getting rid of two of them and trying to get rid of another one after, w- w- when would it have been September, October that those, those players were signed? It's just another sort of depressing uh, example of this kind of lack of long-term clear thinking that has gone into these signings for Forrest, the, 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 I mean, the, the other thing is you kind of, you, you you mentioned Will Swan going on loan to Port Vale there. It, it, it makes perfect sense for Will Swan to go on loan. I'm slightly nervous about him going to uh, to Port Vale though, because they haven't got a permanent manager at the moment. They haven't had one for, for a month or so. They're not one of the, they don't seem to be one of the kind of more glittering, attacking teams in League Two. So uh, I, I also wonder how much thought goes into where Uh, young players are sent out on loan. A hell of a lot of thought goes into it at Premier League level. I think there was a piece on the Athletic last season about the kind of bun fight that uh, Arsenal uh, invited to you know f- for the club that had the honour of taking Eddie and Ketia on loan. It sort of went into it showed that they were thinking very carefully about not just sending a player out on loan for the sake of it, but very carefully choosing the club that they're they're sent to as well. I mean, you know maybe there is some kind of there is some specific reason that um, Swan was was sent to Port Vale but I I don't know that one kind of rang a couple of alarm bells for me yeah it's a tricky one isn't it I guess in the club's defence
1: they would say well Leeds did the best presentation for Eddie and Ketcher and then he got sent back halfway through the season because he didn't play um, yeah. So it, it yeah, is a difficult one. Um, round up the transfer window is a question from David Jones. He says, Is the most significant news of the window that bizarrely the Premier League interest in Worrell disappeared? Um, Danonek, is it, is it maybe linked with the fact that Burnley got taken over and priorities changed? Because that, that was the only the only club that I heard him sort of firmly linked with.
2: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I can imagine that, that Worrell is the sort of player that, that teams will look at and think, yeah, well, he's good in the Championship. But I, I wonder whether... Those kind of odd mistakes that he's kind of capable of will just be um, sort of magnified in the Premier League. It's also presumably a consequence of no one spending any money in in January. There were you know barely any big moves. It's a sort of transfer that you would imagine would have been much more uh, likely to happen in basically any other year when when teams have got a. A bit more money. Clubs just weren't willing or even able to take risks. uh, You know, spending what probably would have had to have been eight figures on uh, on a um, on a player like Worrell. Uh, So yeah, as I said, pretty much any other year than someone like Burnley or Aston Villa or someone like that may have kind of stumped up the cash for Worrell, but just not this January. And that is
1: good news for Forest. Well. We'll never know. Well, we won't know for a couple of months at least, but touching wood, it looks as though for us to have a better January than they did 12 months ago.
0: Right, <laughs> next up, we'll preview the weekend visit to Wiccan. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
1: So Forrest will be at Adams Park on Saturday to take on bottom of the table. Wickham Wanderers always looked like it was going to be a tough first season in the second tier for them. It's proved to be the case. Rock bottom, 12 points from safety. I guess though, Paul, they'll be feeling a bit better about life having kept a clean sheet at home to Birmingham in the week following the uh, the seven goal concession at Brentford last weekend.
3: I think Wickham, they, there's no mistake in the fact they have found the the step up difficult, but I think they're a, a better side than than perhaps the amount of points they've got Let's on they they certainly gave Forrest a very good game earlier in the season when you know there's that those two games where Forrest beat Coventry and then then Wickham and they were slightly fortunate no that's fortunate it's a bit strong but they, they were made to work hard for the the win against Wickham let's say that and I, I think they very much will be if they are to get three points this weekend they're going to have to work very hard for it again they're a, a very strong very physical very direct side that that when you're not in when they're not in possession make it very difficult for the opposition to break them down when they are in possession like I said they're quite direct and and physical and, and Forest is going to have to roll up their sleeves and, and battle a little bit which they, they kind of you know, if you want any kind of encouragement, they they have shown that they can do in recent weeks. They they have shown their battling qualities and their willingness to to roll up their sleeves and get involved in the physical side of things when they have to. It's not going to be an easy game at all. They, they're going to have to stand tall, particularly in the centre of defence. Joe Wall's is going to have to show those leadership skills and chest thumping kind of moments more than ever. I think in this game this weekend, it's going to be a, a real a real war of attrition to to get three points, but hopefully they can. And it, it feels like Forrester. I hate the phrase "turning a corner," but they they haven't lost very many games recently, and it feels like they're moving in the right direction. When you look at the league table, and I'm, I'm not about to make any ridiculous predictions about playoffs or anything like that. Don't worry. But 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 when you look at the league table, I think you know Millwall are 14th, are only three points ahead of them, and they could quite quickly make progress up the table and and put another four or five teams between them and the bottom three quite quickly if they can keep getting good results. And that in itself could just be Massive progress. Just having a few extra teams between them and the relegation zone would mentally and just provide a real boost and a real sense that they were actually climbing away from uh, from from the bottom three. Chris Chris Hewton mentioned the example of Stoke last season when they were taken over by uh, O'Neill as manager and and how they got some good results to begin with, but didn't didn't quite make that climb away from the the relegation zone for quite a long time because the teams around them were winning and it it felt like Forest perhaps haven't quite benefited from the, the decent run they've been on lately with an improvement in their league position so hopefully if they can carry it on then they, they will start to see the physical results of it One thing they need to do Nick just looking at the
1: Championship table is score some more goals away from home just 18-13 games it's still more than Watford who are in 5th in the table but we know we know there's going to be a lot of narrow wins under Chris and that's kind of how it goes but yeah, might need to score more than one goal to win the match as they did at Coventry of course albeit one of them alone goal
2: yeah, I mean, even then scoring more than one goal, there was a, I think sort of last 15, 20 minutes or so were um, not quite kind of clinging on by fingernails, but there was certainly a lot of defending going on there. I, I fear that we'll have to get used to this for the rest of the seasons. I mean, while it would be wonderful for Forest to be um, three three up after half an hour at the at the weekend, and we can all kind of. Relax a little bit between the hours of four and five on a Saturday, which is uh, a very unfamiliar feeling. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is this is probably going to be us awesome for the for at least until the the at least for the rest of this season. A couple of Twitter questions
1: that I'm going to put in this section of the pod. A few of them on Joe Lolly, uh, as well as Tommy was wondering. Daniel asks: Is there any hope of seeing the real Joe Lolly again? Is it a confidence thing? The CCS Knockout Lock of Cash loss of cash or something else. Just feels wrong that he seems heading for an ignominious exit out the back door in the summer after all the joy he's brought. Is it that injury problem that's the main thing, Paul? You've explained it to us before, but but it seems to be something that's really, really hampered him this last year or so.
3: When we've spoken to him about his injury earlier in the season, he, he felt like he'd got over the worst of it. Admittedly, it's not a subject we've talked to him about or to Chris Hewton about in the last sort of, a few weeks or so it is quite natural to think that there's got to be something because he just doesn't look himself and I don't mean that as a criticism of him you you actually do jump to the conclusion that there has to be something behind it because he has been so good in, in recent seasons he's been one of Forrest's better players consistently for a couple of years now He, he he's been Mr. Reliable, Mr. You know the the one that you would you know know was going to produce a, a certain number of assists, a certain number of goals, and a lot of attacking threat every season. And and for whatever reason, whether it be that injury or something else, we just haven't seen it from him this season. And it it's got to be as frustrating for him as everybody else. He he just hasn't hit the levels that he's he's capable of, and it. It would be a shame if if he's not able to get back to that level. I'm I'm sure and I'm I'm hopeful that he that he will do. I'm sure it's just a temporary glitch because you know quality's permanent, isn't it? And he's he's shown that he's got quality. And hopefully, if there is any kind of physical impediment that's that's slowing him down, that it, it's something that can be addressed and uh, he can get back to firing on all cylinders. Because what is unmistakable is if if they had Joe Lolly playing at his best between now and the end of the season, he would be a, a significant asset indeed. He would be a a very important player for Forest.
1: Nick, it's tough to watch him like this at the moment, isn't it? And I think this harks back to something that we went deep on last week about feeling an affiliation with Forest players these days because Joe Lolly is one of those who I would definitely put in that category, although there haven't been many over the last couple of years. So you kind of feel his pain a little bit more because of that. Yeah,
2: definitely. And it, it's sort of exacerbated by the fact that um, he was one of the um, better the, the, well he was Torres' best player a couple of seasons ago when we were terrible I'm and I'm not saying not necessarily saying that in the past tense to suggest we aren't pretty <laughs> bad now but you you always the, the players like that you just just sort of just stand out when when you've got a player who is clearly class playing in a, a team that is kind of pretty below par I mean I think I, I suppose the most kind of obvious and example of that and this is going back a long way was Roy Keane in the season that Forrest got relegated the first time in 1992-93 he was Forest's best player in about three or four different positions that season and it, it, while there were you know his, his exit from the club was obviously pretty sticky that there was a, a sort of huge affiliation with that with that sort of player and it's with Lolly it's also uh, I don't know there's just something about uh, whether it's a sort of um, kind of nostalgic memory for that that season when he, he he was so brilliant, even now when he gets the ball on kind of in the sort of right flank, twenty five yards out and starts cutting in, you're sort of expecting him to to smack one in the top corner, and it's all it's kind of it's 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 uh, you know the, the the cruelness of hope. You're kind of uh, half expecting him to do that, and it just hasn't been doing that this season the, the goal against Blackburn where well, I think the the which was Hewlett's first game in charge wasn't it, it was it was um you know one of the, the few times that he has actually kind of wound up one of those long shots and it's ended up in the back of the net so yeah the the the, the memory of how good he was a couple of seasons ago it's kind of makes it all of his sort of below-par performances this season are even even more sad. Uh, another player I want
1: to get your opinion on, Paul, is Lyle Taylor. Question here from at JJIsRad, asking, what does Lyle Taylor have to do to get a game wasted on the bench? He hasn't started a championship match since Chef Wed on the 15th of December. He hasn't scored since the last time Forrest played Wickham. Is that maybe the
3: answer to the question? I'm trying to think of a nice way of putting it, but I think, to be blunt, I just i think there's a hierarchy between him and and lewis graben and it, it goes back to lewis graben perhaps not being appreciated as much as he might be i like lyle taylor he, he's got a prodigious work rate he's strong he's honest he always toils to try and make something happen and uh i think he's quite a uh, i think he's a player that that is perhaps in the same mold of as joe warrell he's somebody that is appreciated more just because he very obviously busts a gut for everything. He chases every lost cause, he tries to get on the end of everything with a real gusto, and he always looks like he's trying to make something happen. But I think Lewis Graben is just a better player. And I, I think, to be quite honest, Lyle Taylor's probably moved down the pecking order again, because whatever the response to... Glenn Murray's age and the fact he is 37 and all the things that come attached with that and the doubts that come with that, I think he's probably viewed as being a better player or higher in the pecking order at least by, by Chris Hewton when it comes to his striking options. So I think Lyle Taylor is probably third choice now and he's a different option, he's slightly different to, to Graben and Murray and I'm sure he will have a role to play but I'm probably going to end up with egg on my face now and he'll start on Saturday but I, I, I was going to say I, I can't see a point where he starts the game in the near future I think he's going to have to be satisfied with the role on the bench for, for now and you know it's down to him to make the most of any minutes he gets to kind of prove that he's worthy of a starting place ahead of Grabbin and Murray
1: Excellent another highly paid substitute for us to enjoy um, Saturday by the way will only be Forrest's third visit to Adams Park they've been a couple of times in the League Cup one 4-1 in 2011 future did they really play for Forrest's man Robbie Findlay amongst the scorers uh, only other visit back in 96 Forrest needed extra time and a goal from Jason Lee to go through on aggregate it's a three o'clock kickoff on saturday we will of course react to it in next week's show
0: this episode is supported by fx's welcome to wrexham celebrity owners rob mcelhenny and ryan reynolds's small town welsh football club has finally been promoted into league two after 15 seasons in the national league dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham, all new Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu.
1: Now, as we record, it's the ninth anniversary of the death of much-missed former Forest owner Nigel Doughty. Here's Robbie Porter asking, any stories from Paul on Nigel Doughty would be nice to hear on today's anniversary, a man who it seems from all stories had the club truly in his heart and is
3: sorely missed. Those last two points, definitely true. He was just fundamentally a nice man and and somebody who very much had Forest at his heart and he, for me, seemed to get the balance perfectly right when it came to his kind of public standing. He, He used to do two interviews a year he'd do one uh, in the summer and one normally around halfway through the season just to talk to fans about what his thoughts were what the plans for the club were why big decisions had been made he wasn't somebody that wanted and craved the spotlight in the same way as Fawaz Al-Hasawi and he wasn't somebody that perhaps uh, avoided the spotlight completely like the, the current owners he he, he, uh, he was aware that he'd got a responsibility that it was uh, an honour an honor for him to uh, to lead this club and to to be the figurehead of the club that he'd supported growing up, I was trying to think of some amusing stories or something I had about him, and I, I don't really have any. I just have stories about him being a decent, fundamentally nice bloke. He used to throw uh, a party every summer for uh, for the staff and for anybody connected with Forrest at his home, and uh, literally, you know, hundreds of people would turn up at this party, and he'd, he'd somehow find time for everybody to come and chat to all of us and and just make you feel welcome and make you feel kind of like part of the forest family and i think that was fundamentally what he was he felt like he was part of the forest family and 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 i don't think he ever was anything less than than thrilled that he'd got this responsibility and this kind of duty to to lead the club and he didn't get every decision right but i'm absolutely convinced that every decision that he did make was made with what he thought was the best interest of the club at heart and uh, as a football club owner's go i don't i don't think you get Anyone that was more decent than, than than he was, he was he was brilliant and just a, a lovely down to earth bloke who started, you know, I, I think he lived on a council estate in Newark when he was growing up and ended up being one of the richest men in in Britain. So uh, I don't think he ever forgot his roots or or, or where he came from. And, and and Forrest was at the core of that.
1: Nick, it's um as Paul says, it's not like he got every decision right, but but to have somebody a local who cares about the club, but but b just be an honest. Decent, kind man. That's all you can ask for in in terms of having a, a custodian for your football
2: club. Yeah, I'd, I'd much rather have, um, you know, Doughty and someone who really kind of had the club in his his heart. Doughty was an absolutely classic case, and of, of and I, I actually do think we we, we sometimes on the, on this podcast I think we we sort of place too much emphasis on the uh, the kind of views of angry people on the internet. But it, it, even in the kind of pre social media days. Doughty was a a, a real target of angry people on the internet because... He, he because of the as you said that the couple of mistakes he made, which was more to do with sort of timing more than anything else, he just seemed to invest money in the club and and or, or actually uh, more specifically invest money in transfers at just slightly the wrong times. Like for example, I mean you know the, the, dipping well into the kind of murky past of Forest fan grievances, but the the season after the 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 Paul Hart playoff. Uh, season would have been the perfect time to spend a lot of money on uh, strengthening that v- v- incredibly promising but still quite callow and thin squad and he didn't and the, 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 this kind of well documented the the, the um, various amounts of money that were uh, spent and not spent particularly wisely other times yeah andy
1: reads something up nicely on twitter he says a great man forest through and through that's nigel doughty who we lost nine years ago this week Right, it's time for this. Yes, it's everybody's favourite Forest based quiz. Did they really play for Forest? I need to get mentally prepared for this, Nick. So I'm going to hand straight over to you to explain how this works.
2: Yeah, so this is a um, so a player that did play for Forest um usually a quite a well-known player but uh, he only had a very short spell or a sort of perhaps forgettable spell at Forest I, i've got five pieces of information um i think they kind of go up in, uh, they start with the, the hardest and then uh, gets to the uh, easiest by uh, by clue five. If you haven't got the answer, then you uh, everyone needs to resign basically. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I don't, Matt, don't I, rule I, it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Matt, I don't, I don't think you've, uh, you've you've cut on quite a bad run of this. I think Paul won last week and did he win the week before as well? So you know, no no pressure, Matt. But you know, but there is a lot of pressure on you here yeah clearly I'm feeling it alright first clue <laughs> I have been managed by Stuart Pearce but not while playing for Forest. okay uh, okay just keep saying okay to buy
1: a bit of time Paul have you, have you got a guess
3: no no <laughs> no I have
2: I really enjoyed the the, 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 the the pause to you know build tensions you know it's, it's what every uh, quiz master wants to hear <laughs>
1: Uh, okay, uh, second clue. Uh, oh, can I have a guess? I've got, I've got a really rubbish guess that I know isn't right, but I'm going to make it anyway. Uh, George Os Samaras.
2: No. Has he played for Forest? <laughs> hey, isn't he? <laughs> No, he hasn't.
1: No, no. But he used to, I'm just going through the old Man city squad. Oh, there. right. Okay. Yeah.
2: Uh, okay. Uh, clue two. In 2014, I signed a contract with Elite Muddle Agency. Oh, hmm.
3: Oh, you got anything? No. Lee no, I clearly processes. haven't been k- keeping up to date with my footballer models. <laughs> no. Nice. Uh, must be a good I remember David James team. doing an Armani campaign, but that, that's about it.
2: <laughs> and he was managed by Stuart Pearce, so if you yeah. want to guess him, then. What?
3: David James. <laughs> it's not in a flow for us. No, did he uh, not? Cry or blimey. <laughs> I, think I, I think I'd have remembered. <laughs> uh, okay,
2: Clue. Th- uh, Matt, have you got anything? Uh, no, let's have Clue 3. Clue 3. My first ever appearance. Uh, sorry, I'll start that again. My first ever English league appearance came alongside Stephen MacPhail, and my last English league appearance came against Nathaniel Cholibola. Uh Matt Mills? Nope. can see why you went there, but
3: nope. No, it's a good guess, that is. Uh, this is not good. Paul Anything? No, I'm, I'm literally I'm, I'm bereft. Okay, <laughs> let's have the next one,
1: Nick. This is this is not good.
2: Yeah, I only made five appearances for Forest, but two of them were against Derby and Leicester.
0: Oh my
1: goodness me! People screaming at their devices of choice, I'm sure, but yeah. I am completely and utterly without a clue here. Is there another?
2: Is there another clue? Yes, there is. There's one more, which I think, which will does involve his initials. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll call that. I'll give you his initials as clue, your mystery clue number six. If you don't get it from this next (laughs) one, okay. Uh, Okay. Clue number five. I currently play for an elite European team. What? Uh, Is it Aaron Ramsey? It's Aaron Ramsey. Yes, we got there in the end.
1: Oh, because I was looking Man City, yes. and you're actually thinking Team GB. Yes, sneak,
3: aren't you? yeah, yes. That's, uh, that's that's why I, I was I was racking my brains for Man City players as well. <laughs> oh, you, you that, should have. That's 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 unbelievably cunning and marginally unfair.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm not proud of this, but you should have uh, you should have seen this. Smug grin on my face when I kind of spotted that he was uh, in in Team GB and therefore managed by Stuart Pearce. I I thought <laughs> ah, they're all going to think Man City, but no, it's Team GB. There you go. Well, it um, went, Well done, you, <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Ramsey. Uh, yeah, it was that a kind of weird period
1: when Forrest signed really good injured Premier League players on loan. And yeah, he did play. It was. not be didn't he?
2: yeah, it was a bit of a shame, really, because he kind of it, it, he was I, I think it was the first football football he played after his obviously his horrific injury. and it, it, certainly in the games that that I saw him play, he looked absolutely terrified, which you know if you if your last... Uh, you, you, if your la- your last memory of football was having your shin ploughed through by Ryan Shawcross, I think you would you know, you you would feel terrified as well. So I did. I just felt incredibly sorry for him. He's obviously he was obviously a class player, but he was just scared of his own shadow. And I think I think he then went on loan back to Cardiff and got a bit more of his confidence back, and obviously gone on to be a brilliant player. Um, but yeah, those the, those five games with Forest were a, a little bit sad, really. He was
3: tentative, wasn't he? That
2: was probably the right phrase. Yeah, yeah, tentative. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Fast forward to uh, last weekend, he steps off the bench to get the second goal for Juventus in the 2-0 win at Sampdoria. Paul, do you think he regrets not staying at Forest?
3: <laughs> I, I think it is, it's, it's something he's going to have to live with for the rest of his life, you know, he'll probably be lying on his deathbed one day in the future thinking, if only I could have stayed at the city ground and played more games scared of my own shadow. Aaron Ramsey this week did they
1: really play for Forest? that's just about it for this week um, Paul before we go tell us what you've got in the works for Athletic subscribers to enjoy I, I notice that you've contributed to a piece that they probably won't enjoy
3: have I? yeah about Forrest getting thrashed 8-1 by Man United ah, ah you see my, 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 my only contribution to that was to give Danny Craig Armstrong's number. <laughs> okay, well, valuable nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, no, I, I, I haven't... Uh, we, we're doing... We've got a piece on uh, Alex Mighton coming over the horizon uh, at some point. Uh, kind of didn't push forward with it because he wasn't involved last weekend, which was a bit unfortunate for him. Uh, and uh, Glenn Murray as well. We're doing a look at Glenn Murray and his career and his relationship with, uh, with Chris Hutton And hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, how it all work in Forrest's favour, we'll see.
2: Uh, Nick, you've been writing about Josh King. Yeah, the, um, the one-man transfer rumour mill that is Josh King. He um, Over the last year, uh, he has been linked in um, publications, August and less so, f- with 18 of the current 20 Premier League clubs. Um, he's got a very, very active agent, and it, it almost seemed a bit of a shame when he actually did move from Bournemouth to Everton. Um, so I, I wrote a, a fairly silly piece about him the other day. Um, I also uh, had wrote an interview um, which went with the uh, podcast about uh, Sam Allardyce, I think I mentioned last week. Um, I interviewed the priest that gave Sam Allardyce his first job um for Limerick in Ireland um back in 1991 and it was generally one of the most wonderful half an hour I've spent on the phone with anyone in, in years um, I think if I spent any more time on the phone with him I would have kind of been converting and <laughs> becoming part of his flock uh, Father Joe Young's his name is an absolutely wonderful man and the interviews up there on the Athletic for you to read at your leisure
1: yeah remember if you're not currently a subscriber go to theathletic.com slash forest pod to sign up uh, thanks for your company today listener thanks also to Nick to Paul and for the final time producer Adonis it won't be the same without you uh, we'll be back same time next week sans Adonis. Until then, it's bye for now.
3: The Athletic.